everyone welcome back to another exciting episode of breaking the ceiling all of us have one morning habit that we just can't seem to get out of and many of us can't start our day without it i'm talking about none other than coffee i don't know about you guys but without a good hot cup of delicious coffee i can't get my day started right and today i'm going to talk to somebody some somebody who's created a new niche in india who's growing that niche and when you earlier wanted a delicious cup of you know hot coffee you had to go to a starbucks or barista or any of the other places but he is giving you that same experience at home uh, you know at the luxury of just 3 feet away press a button and you get amazing coffee i'm talking about none other than rahul agarwal from coffeeza hey rahul welcome to breaking the ceiling thanks ashwin uh, happy to be here thank you so much so rahul uh, Before we jump into Coffeeza, I want to know a little bit about your life till Coffeeza, and then we will jump into Coffeeza. So I'll start from my education. I grew up in Delhi, uh, did my schooling in Delhi. Uh, after which I went to the US to Purdue University for my undergrad, uh, and eventually again to Babson College for my MBA. Babson College is up in Boston. It's known for entrepreneurship, so I've always had this. Kira uh, in me that someday I'll start my own venture. I come from a family business background, and my family is into the production of RFID tags, uh, which are used in various uh, identification uh, solution projects. Uh, so I have been, you know, exposed to sort of the you know global coffee, you know, cultures for many years, and I spent five years in the US and. When I joined my family business, I was traveling around the world, spent a lot of time in the UK, in the Middle East, uh, traveling around Europe, and everywhere I was really closely observing the coffee culture. And uh, you know, but I was still working in the family business. And uh, I think it was around uh, 2017, 2018 when I finally felt the you know the kind of strong desire to start my own venture. And I think the idea for coffee just came very naturally to me in, in that sense because. I saw this kind of gap in India in this home sort of coffee solution for you know personal home use, uh, which you know which where there was a very big market internationally, and I knew that India would eventually catch up with the West. So that's when I started Coffees in 2018, and yeah, that's what brought me to India. That is very interesting to see how you left a very well established family business, right? Uh, I have the same background story. Uh, Tell me something. How was that experience? What What was that last day like? What was that conversation like? Was it a long drawn saga of two three months, or was it like a thirty second? Hey, I'm getting out doing my own thing. What What, what how, how did it play out? Um. Well, it actually uh, happened over a work related argument, and uh, and I eventually I think it, it, the idea for starting my own venture had been brewing in my mind. For a very long time, and I think that was like one moment where I felt I didn't want to keep on doing this. Uh, I'd also turned thirty years old, and uh, you know I had, um, uh, you know I had a one-year-old daughter, and I felt uh, I didn't want to, you know I want to be a hero in my daughter's eyes, and I don't want my daughter to think that this guy squashed his dreams or wishes for. You know, just to live a stable, comfortable life. So I, I wanted to be a hero in my daughter's eyes, and I think 
it kind of all came together and i said okay you know what i think now is a good time either it's it's now or never i mean if i'm not going to quit now i'm never going to uh, go out there and start my own venture and um, i had i mean it's it, it didn't happen all at once to be honest because i mean previously also i had you know express my desire to my father to to sort of step out from the family business and i think at that time um him and a few other people also tried to uh you know sort of convince me that it's a it's a bad idea to uh, leave a well established business startup life is hard and uh, most startups fail so you know everyone was throwing a whole lot of statistics at me um i think uh, all of that kind of just uh, failed when i think i saw the broader picture i think the one of the reasons that you mentioned it say it's because of your daughter you know that you did this and I, that's one of the strongest possible reasons you can have it because i i remember about uh, 13 14 years ago when we were just a small startup i had hired a consultant to kind of help us with something and he did an exercise with me and the team at that time saying hey what drives you like what motivates you and for me uh, many people said oh growth money and careers and things like that but for me i said yeah i want to be a good you know role model for my kids when i when they grow up and and that time the funny thing is i didn't have kids <laughs> the people are like what what do you mean uh, because one thing i knew and that's something that my parents probably did is that they were role models for me like they both started out with nothing uh, they both by the way worked together you know they built a fantastic uh, and i wanted to do the same and i wanted to do something uh, and it was me and my wife that started equinox together right you know we wanted to create something that we would be proud of and i think something that our kids would be proud of that we were able to achieve you know something good in the world so i i can completely resonate with uh, you know why you want to get so now tell me when you were uh, starting coffee so how did you come up with the name how did you kind of figure out that hey i just want to do normal coffee i'm assuming you would have tried out you know a few ideas so what of your the ideas and how did you zoom in on coffees and how did you come up with the name so it's a three part question so uh, name was easy i wanted a dot com domain uh i i i from day one i i wanted to be a i i always had this desire that i want to do something globally uh, something internationally and uh, so i i i looked around for dot com domains and uh, coffees.com domain was available i had to purchase it though at a, at a premium and i contacted the owner and uh, there was a bit of negotiation and then yeah, i bought the domain off of him so i think that's how i got the you know dot com i think that was a very good investment i made early on uh, you know i i mean for start for starters starting out it, it felt like a huge amount but um, you know it it kind of made sense then uh, uh, i think how how the idea you know i zoomed in on the idea so i was you know when i said so coffee has always been a passion and i think i you know i've, I've looked at other ideas i mean i've looked at uh, product you know of, of like products for infants food products for infants and children i've looked at uh, probiotic beverages uh, so i was generally interested in the food nutrition beverage space and i think it, it kind of dawned on me I was, i was traveling around the world i was doing exhibitions i was i, I was visiting food exhibitions in in europe and in in the gulf and um, just to sort of understand what what was happening in the industry and it kind of just dawned on me that hey look there is this innovative idea in coffee and that's something i have like a very good sort of understanding of from like you know all the past experience that i have it's something i'm very passionate about 
um, why not give this a shot? I mean, later I did realize, I mean, it was not as easy as just launching a coffee brand. I mean, because we entered into appliances in the form of machines and coffee at the same time. So these are two different things that they're different sets of compliances, the different set of challenges of selling the, you know, each of these. Uh, I think it, uh, that's how, I mean, I think there has to be that bit of um, sort of being a, a bit, uh, you know, unprepared, bit, be a bit, uh, what's the word, you know, like uh, naive, jump into it. I think that kind of, uh, uh, otherwise you, you would chicken out. So most people who get into entrepreneurship actually don't understand what they're getting into. Right. I mean, if you understood the full breadth and depth of it, then you'd be like, uh, you would actually hesitated more. So sometimes, you know, not knowing some of the perils go a long way to, you know, get that courage to take that first step. Right. I'm a serial entrepreneur and owner of multiple businesses. For me now, it's easy to say I can start a new business. But back then, when I started the first one itself was difficult. When I decided, hey, I want a second one, everyone was like, are you crazy? Like, isn't the first one bad enough? I'm like, it's, the idea is there and I know I can do something with it, right? I know I can do something big with it, right? So, but, but in the beginning, it was, you know, very, very scary. So tell me about some of the challenges uh, that you faced, uh, especially with, let's say, recruiting your first uh, team. What, what, did you face any challenges? Was it very easy? What, you know, what kind of tactics did you use? What kind of people I did you start off, you know, we started off bootstrapped. In fact, even today we are bootstrapped. We have not taken any external funding till date. And uh, I think my initial team was, I, I didn't have this uh, whole, you know, how tech startups, uh, VC funded tech startups have this mindset that from day one, I need a chief growth officer and chief revenue officer and you know things like that i didn't i just started with a very basic basic team of a couple of uh, you know kids out of college and uh, basically we kind of learned and you know hired uh, on a need basis and uh, i think it's now that i'm um, i feel that there should be a certain structure and you know there should be certain people responsible for certain functions and uh, but yeah, when, when we started out, I didn't have that kind of a mindset, uh, sort of thing. And, and what kind of people do you look for? What kind of traits do you look for in people when you onboard them? I, I think, I, obviously, like I said, I'm not looking for very expensive uh, talent. To You know, it, it, there's always a mindset that, you know, you're bootstrapped, so you have to be a little, uh, you know, considerate about costs. But uh, I look for good talent. I mean, most important is the attitude. Uh, I look for someone who's who's stable in his career, um, not had too many job changes. And even if there are job changes, the person should be able to very, uh, uh, you know, clearly explain the reason for those changes and, and saying that, oh, yeah, because this company was giving me so-and-so growth. That's why I moved away. Uh, because that would be a, a, a red flag for me that he could tomorrow leave me, you know, Say if, if he gets a better offer from somewhere, but yeah, I think most importantly is 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 the quality, you know, the the attitude, the the personality, and obviously he needs to have the subject knowledge as well. So uh, at, at Equinox, over time, we've kinda you know uh, narrowed down the craft of choosing the right people, and there is this whole concept of uh, technical know-how which is there. So there are teams who do that, but then uh, another set of team comes in to look for what we refer to as a cultural fit. Right, so they need to resonate with our mission. Right, so we want to make food, water, air in India safer. 
right? So if they understand that they resonate with it, that's fantastic, right? Do we look at like do they understand our core values? Do they you know do those core values resonate with them? Like do these make sense to them? Do these core values excite them? Right? So one of our core values is we turn thoughts into things, right? That means hey, the power of good thoughts or you know the actions you put behind those thoughts, you can actually make them into things. So that was a quote that's still in my office. Like big, or like right behind the wall, it says "thoughts become things," right? Because I believe that if you have good thoughts and you keep thinking about good things, and if you're able to action few of them as well, right? But do them well, you can actually create fantastic things. And those are the kind of people you want to onboard: people who can take action on their thoughts, right? Who can think independently, but also just not keep thinking, 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 but actually do something about it, right? So tell me about. Uh, Do you have any mentors in your life today? Are you mentoring anyone? I would love to hear your thoughts on mentorship. Well, I mean, I I do uh, speak to my you know family, uh, dad, my brother, you know, for advice every now and then. First day, but you know, I think I I for the most part, I mean, I discuss a lot with my team, whatever ideas I have. I discuss a lot with my wife, who's also quite involved. Uh, you know, she handles the marketing side of the business, so. Uh, So yeah, similar to you and your wife, my 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 wife has been a very uh, strong aspect of Coffeeza from day one. And uh, but personally, no, I don't have any specific mentors uh, as such. You know, I I I rely a lot on uh, I journaling. I, I journal a lot. Uh, I write down you know ideas as they come to my head, uh, and you know play my own devil's advocate. And you know, I think I think that journaling. brings out a lot of clarity to me journaling i i i find is a extremely powerful mechanism right if you are able to practice it over time it's able, you know you are able to take a lot of your thoughts and once you start putting them on paper they actually start getting clearer right so i i journal and i board like i board like a beast right so uh, my new office literally every surface available is glass in the wall is glass and then like There are notes. There are thoughts. So, but when we have a meeting in office, I never sit. I'm always standing. Like even at home, once we even I start the work from home piece, I have a standing desk. The best investment I made so far, right? Because I realize I think better when I stand. I think better when I you know write, right? So that's been, and I'm glad to see that journaling has helped you. Uh, do you ever go back and you know revisit some of your thoughts from six months ago, one year ago? Do you ever do that? So what I do is I, uh, you know. I use, uh, for example, one of the note-taking apps. So I, I am using Microsoft's OneNote. Now, what I do is, but I, I, when I journal, I just scribble anywhere, whether it's my notepad or if it's my computer, wherever. But sometimes I feel that you know the, the thoughts are actually something I do want to save for future. I would either you know if it's a digital form, I'll just save it into OneNote itself, or I'll take a picture and then I'll give it a title, and yeah, I would then revisit it. Future. I think that helps. So uh, there is an app that I've been using for the last two years. It's called Notion. Okay. Something worth doing. I think it starts off free and it's free for a few know, years or whatever it is. But today our entire org is on Notion. Notion for each team. I have Notion for each of my teammates. Why so directly work with your page by every project? What we call special projects, right? Which a lot of our innovations we turn them as special projects and we do this cool thing where we give them names like Athena. Jupiter, you know, like, and I don't know why most of our projects have Greek gods names and not Indian gods. I don't know why, but that's just been the thing, right? So, uh, but that has actually helped us because it's 
one place where everyone's thoughts kind of go and we kind of revisit it. So every meeting, every meeting, we have notion of it. Right? So anything we discuss gets kind of put in because one thing I learned, uh, and I learned this about six months ago, or once you have a meeting and if you come out of the meeting and if you don't have a learning or you don't have a to-do, what, I mean, what do you do in that meeting? Right? It's pointless. Like you didn't take a decision, that you didn't take, there was no learning for you to share. And if there is no to-do, you just basically had a chit-chat, right? And, which is okay. I mean, you, that meeting can be about a chit-chat, which is fine, but it wasn't a very productive, official productive meeting, right? So that is something I learned and I learned it from a CEO of a hundred million dollar company who, uh, while he was about to go on stage, did this with me, like he's sitting with me and I was just, I, I told him, hey, we'll chat once you're off stage. He's like, no, 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 I want, to, I, I want your thoughts on something. And he opened his phone and he started typing something and I was like, I, I, then I paused thinking, hey, he's messaging. He's like, no, no, I'm taking notes. And then he had to-dos, he had learning, he instantly shared the learning with his entire executive team. He put his to-dos to his EA who actually sent it out to people, right? I was, I was blown away. I was like, this is, you know, incredible. I've started doing that now and it's it's absolutely life-changing, right? So uh, try Notion, I think it's going to be fantastic. Okay, thank you. Yeah, we'll, we'll check it out. So now I want to, ch- I want to discuss a little bit about uh, you know, your business model. Is your business model purely online? Do people only buy from you online or is that offline? Are you using Amazon? How are you kind of playing out? So we, you know, we are, you know, we are in typical sense of D2C brand, but D2C is a very confused uh, term and you know a lot of uh, you know D2C experts tend to agree it's a confused term so D2C is direct to commerce direct to consumer now but you know people are ag- agreeing that direct to consumer doesn't mean you have to sell only from your website it's also through marketplaces like Amazon so we sell through our website coffeezer.com we sell through Amazon and then we do have a you know majority of our business does come from uh, you know, online market, online marketplaces and, and through our website and then we have an offline uh, presence as well so we are uh, coffees our products are available pan india across uh, food hall nature's basket chroma you know and a lot of other gourmet stores uh, pan india and uh, you know we have not focused very extensively on the offline strategy but I think this year we are starting to look at it more seriously because we realize that for a brand to build a brand in the long run you have to be omnichannel you cannot just be an online brand you know online is good to start off to get your first to get your first kind of uh, customers and you know your initial footing but you need to quickly uh, start you know expanding offline as well so today out of your entire product, I mean, marketing mix, what percent would come from online, what percent would be offline? I think about 70% uh, of our top line comes from offline. Off- okay, offline? Uh, online, sorry. Online, okay. Ah, okay, that's that's pretty cool. But I think that the part that 30% is coming offline is fantastic, right? It's giving you a good signal that, hey, that's also, you can't ignore the offline piece. Because I, I realized something the other day, uh, I was uh, in a store and I saw a new coffee. I was like, I, I mean, I took about 10 seconds to decide whether I should buy it or not because very happy with what I had, right? Have you faced that as a challenge that people will like look at a product and you know, be like, uh, should I take it or not? Like, I don't know if you've ever done this in-store observation. So I did that once at a, uh, at a this thing, uh, we were at a uh, expo, right? And we had this nice big stall, I had about 20, 30 people in Equinox t-shirts and all. 
but I kind of went about 30, 40 feet away and I was just for an hour standing and observing what's going on, right? So I see this young guy coming, you know, he's looking at all our panels. One person came, he said no to her. One more guy came to talk to him, he just, you know, they kind of pushed him away. Like four, five of my people approached him, but he just kind of, you know, shoot them away. And he's reading, but he's very curious about us, right? He's reading all our panels, like there are about eight, eight panels. He did all of it for five minutes very intently. Nobody does that. And then he walked away. And then I went and I said, hey, I'm so sorry. I don't want to disturb you. Like I'm the CEO of Equinox, right? And uh, I'm very curious here. I mean, you saw all this, you did all this. I saw my team approaching you and you just kind of brushed them away. You know, what, what's up? Like, are you obviously interested in the topic, right? It's not, you're not just browsing. Like you obviously, he's like, oh, I'm a food company, blah, blah. I said, then why do you walk away? He's like, oh, your brand looks expensive. Your brand? I was like, your brand looks expensive. So I was like, we work with three and a half thousand startups. He's like, oh my God, you haven't put that on the board. Boom. Next day, three and a half thousand startups goes right up there. Right? So when I did that, it showed me, like, it gave me an insight, which I didn't know otherwise. Because today, if you look at a website, like, if you look at your website, I saw your website, it's fantastic. It looks you know, such a premium website. So do you ever get that? Did you ever get consumer feedback saying, uh, I don't know how your coffee would taste or do you guys look expensive without even knowing the price because I saw your pricing it's so competitive it's so you know it's, you made gourmet coffee so affordable I love that right but have you ever gotten any funny insight which was actually not the truth uh, to be honest we've not really uh, and, and this is something which we are currently working on is that you have to create this mechanism to get you know insights offline uh, we have not started placing for and, and the, you know one of the easiest ways to do that is to start placing promoters in these offline stores. There is a cost involved of doing that as well. I we have not gone down that route as yet. But we have you know we uh, a customer service team uh, have this very strong uh, you know as they talk to customers they're getting feedback from them asking them whether they like the product or not. If they stop buying they would call them again and ask them why did you stop buying what went wrong. And from there, we you know we keep getting very interesting insights, and uh, and I think they I think I think from that there you're gonna figure out the things you need to improve improve upon, like you rightly said. So what do you do? What do what do you and your team do for innovation? Like do you guys have meetings around it? Is it something constant? Is it something you do once in a year, once in six months? How do you handle innovation? So I think innovation is something that has to be continuous. Uh, for our line of products, right? I mean, we started with uh, we primarily one of the top selling products are the coffee capsules and the coffee machines. And I think with we for machines we went through one or two newer versions, right? And this is again based on the customer feedback that we got. And uh, for every new version, there was some improvement from the previous version, uh, and also some new design changes and new functionality. For capsules, to give you an example, we started off with plastic capsules, and uh, uh, you know now we have migrated to aluminium capsules. Uh, which are fully manufactured in India, in, in our plant in Goa. So, uh, again, the whole idea was customers were telling us, uh, move, you know, move away from plastic, you know, and, you know. So, as a brand, we started taking sustainability on, on, on a very different, serious level. And, um, you know, with the new new capsules, you know, we are, we are definitely uh, doing much better than the previous previous type of capsules, and, and this is this is innovation. I mean, we made a very created a very state of the art 
facility here in Goa, um, and it's a, it's a, like a fully integrated uh, factory right? from from crop to from crop to capsule. Like the crop to capsule, that's pretty cool. So, uh, and if, if I'm not mistaken, the aluminium capsule is like something that's happening right now. Like you just launched it last week, or you're launching it now, or yeah, it's it's been launched. Uh, been launched and uh, uh, yeah, we are just now very excited for customer feedback. That is that is fantastic. So there's so much joy when you create something new and then you know the world actually enjoys it. I, I don't think anything beats that joy. At least for me, like when we created something new. So I, I'll tell you a story. We are, about two years ago, uh, just when the pandemic began, uh, FSCCI had come up with a law saying that all restaurants need to have. Nutrition labels on their menus. Now, this is something which I know was in the works for last four years, but FSCI started to work upon it again. What we did is we created a software from scratch, like board say, you know, like drawing lines. This is how it should work. And within two weeks, my team was actually able to create a working prototype that we then did work with Swiggy, we did work with Zomato, and then many and thousands of other restaurants after that. Right, but it was so much fun to see the value that we were able to create because if somebody went and actually did the testing. It would be three, four thousand rupees for a for one recipe. We're able to do that at one tenth the price and at one tenth the speed. So when I, if I say ever hundred times better, actually a metric of hundred by hundred times, that is one tenth the price, one tenth the speed. We're able to do that at scale. But when people see and they're like, wow, I gave you like a thousand recipes and you gave to me in two days, like they're not able to like fathom like, and you saved me so much money. Like yesterday on a call with a client, he had three thousand recipes. If we did testing with us, it would have been a 90 lakh rupee bill. We made it to less than 9 lakh rupees, right? And people were just, the customer was blown away. He's like, I, I mean, they were willing to spend testing. That's a big company, so they had the money. But when we actually told them, hey, we can actually do it at one time the price, they were blown. And they were, I mean, there was not, there was no negotiation. There was just, hey, here's the order, let's, let's start, right? So, it's so, there's so much joy in seeing your innovation work out. And I, I'm hoping that, and I know, you know your uh, aluminum capsules will get something very similar from the customers because the next buzzword, by the way, is sustainability, right? Every meeting I've had with any, you know, C-level person in the last 12 months, that word comes up every single time. So I, I think that what, what I heard from you is the first step towards, or maybe one of the steps towards for you to take, you know, go towards sustainability is uh, aluminum is there anything else on your mind in terms of this? Are you thinking of anything else in terms of this? We have been working on a lot of things right now. We are working on getting some environment certifications for our plant, and, you know, and, and a lot of other, you know, other things are in the works, uh, you know, in terms of having, you know, I mean, it, it's still in the works, working on our, you know, the, on the recycling programs and those kind of things. So, uh, but yeah, the whole idea is, is for the brand to be sustainable. You know, we are here for the long run. And uh, you know, we have to be uh, considerate about the environment as well. Excellent. Have you explored the corporate market space? Like, I know you're going direct to consumer, but have you have you done anything in the space of reaching out to corporates directly, saying, "Hey, you can keep our machines"? Have you explored that space at all? Yeah, we recently got a very uh, very good gentleman uh, who's who's a kind of a you know long timer in the in the coffee industry. He's uh, ex Cafe Coffee Day group, and you know, then he's also uh, he, he's spent over I think 18 years in in, in the Coffee Day group. So he's he's pretty, you know. I, I think now he is like, you know, with with his help now we are reaching out to the uh, you know corporates and you know other businesses uh, 
for for you know other offerings. Right. So because I know that it's a very exciting space, right? And the multiples over there can be uh, quite good because even if you get one corporate, they would have twenty offices. So if they start at one place and they like it, the multiple is now straight away twenty, and not just like one machine. Multiple machines would go obviously the the same. So have you? How do you come up with new flavors? So I saw you have a bunch of flavors. So how how does that play out? I I think this is also based on customer feedback. We we asked our customers straight away what flavors they would like to see in coffee's mm-hmm. range, and uh, customers came up with you know some of the flavors, and then you know we, that's the ones we are we are launching. So that is brilliant. Some of it is more of a some of it is more of a like a hidden hidden trial kind of a basis. You do launch flavors which you think. will do well and then you can launch it out in the market and then if you have a big range of uh, skus you know some one or two might not do so well and then that's that's kind of the nature of the game so uh, you realize that then you know you can slowly in future you can then accordingly adjust the inventory for that so when you come up with a new flavor can you how do you have to produce it do you have to produce like 1 lakh capsules or can you do a, a run for 100 or 1000 or how does that work like how does your r&d cycle work like do you have to produce in large batches or can you do small batches that's the beauty of having our own setup we don't have to we can play with small production runs and do a test run in the market and uh, and accordingly so we don't have to invest a lot of money in 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 the inventory and then later realize they you kaise beche you know so uh, So I I think that's a that's definitely one one advantage. So I was giving it some thought, right? I was when I was go, I knew I was going to talk to Trey after. I was like, what kind of flavors would be really cool to have? So something like a Nutella, something like maybe hazelnut, which is like Nutella but much much sweeter. Maybe during Christmas have something minty. So I was thinking like, have you ever thought of doing short run productions, just sending them to customers for trial or? You know, and then seeing their feedback or selling them as a Christmas special, Diwali special, or have you all ever done something that way or not? I, I think not. Uh, it's it's now that we'll start doing that because now mm-hmm. our, that our production is 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 all in setup and process. I think we're starting out with the standard flavors, your vanilla, mm-hmm. caramel, hazelnut, uh, and then you know, in limited batches, we plan to do what I like to call ice cream flavors. So you know, your uh, quality of Nutella or your you know. Creme brulee and you know stuff like that. So mm-hmm. flavors which you can sort of launch in the market and see uh, almond praline and you know things like that, which and, and mm-hmm. see how the response is. I, I love the ice cream flavors. Whenever you do launch them, let me know. I'll definitely be the first one to buy. And no, so I, I have this thing. Uh, I've, I've switched to black coffee, like pure black coffee, about two years ago. And uh, so I always look for some flavor in that because just pure pure black coffee is a little intense. Right, so I, right now I'm on the whole hazelnut phase. I think I'm ready to move to something different. So whenever you launch something else, definitely do let me know. Right. Uh, so what does uh, five years from now look like for coffees? Uh, what's what's your five year vision for coffees? Uh, good question, uh, and that's something you know I'm I'm asking myself every day. But uh, the the five year vision is you know we want to be uh, we want to be a global brand. I think uh, from day one uh, again going back to the the domain story of getting the dot com domain i think i've always wished to go global and i i think we want to be among the first indian brands to sort of be known in the global space so we want we are now uh, taking the brand to to you know markets like singapore usa and uh, yeah i think i think from uh, you know 
like i said we are the only you know company to have the, this this kind of a uh, manufacturing setup uh, at least in india um and uh, we have certain uh, you know uh, i think as a brand we can you know really go there and make a dent uh, with with our you know unique uh, uh, blends flavors offerings and uh, while maintaining the same inter- international standard of you know which 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 like a bigger brand would, would kind of be only be able to offer till now that is brilliant so one thing that i've seen uh, you know that will serve you well is your focus on quality and having a premium brand because your product is a premium product it is not designed to be in every single house it is obviously a premium product but it's also affordable which i like the fact that it's you know premium but affordable and you can always on once you create a bigger brand you can always have something i mean your normal this thing if it's x you can have something that's 0.75x down the line but it's difficult for a maruti to make a maserati but it's very easy for a you know mercedes to have let's say an a class right so for a bigger brand to create a smaller thing is easier than a smaller brand creating a bigger thing right so uh, last question for you would be what would you advise somebody who is entering uh, a food business or thinking of becoming an entrepreneur i think uh, in the context of 2022 with the you know inflation and all that uh, i think uh, the advice would be to treat it carefully given that you know all costs are rising and uh, uh, you have to uh, well i mean the 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 rules don't change you still have to have a differentiated product you need to have a target market target audience will buy a product but i think you need to uh, you know that general that mentality of you know burn cash burn cash grow the business i think that those rules are getting uh, changed and uh, in fact even a lot of vcs are advising their uh, portfolio startups to sort of focus on profitability so i think this is a this is going to be tough year for startups in, in terms of those who are looking to raise seed funding and you know looking for growth capital uh, i think the advice would be uh try and stay as lean as you can uh and uh, i i think when when they they there will be a better time uh maybe 6 months 12 months down the line and i think that's when you can start you know taking doing things more aggressive so i love the fact that you know your bootstrap and you've grown to the size you've grown to at you know bootstrap because today when people look at the unicorns the people you know people looked at the funded companies there is a false sense in all the you know the younger generation that oh if i have a company i have to raise money like that's the only way right and i've seen so many companies shut down because they're not able to raise money i'm like did you try doing it bootstrap no no we were planning to raise money we didn't raise money so we left the idea i'm like that's i'm like one in 100 will actually get funded right it's that other 99 who have the courage to you know uh, grow even maybe it's albeit smaller i mean you not grow 100x or 10x you may grow 1.5x year on year. but even that kind of growth but if it's sustainable over time adds up to quite a bit right and people have this notion that oh, we have to be funded if you are a startup you have to be funded so uh, one uh, there was a young uh, i was talking I, i speak at a lot of colleges so uh, after uh, one of the lectures i was talking to somebody offline and we're not discussing startups and we're not asking the definition of a startup so the guys in the company that is funded is startup but <laughs> that is not what a startup is right so for many of the young generation that's their idea that we have to raise money 
otherwise you know uh, they don't they don't even think of bootstrapping so uh, that is an advice i was actually giving to i'm helping uh, one particular b school set up the reset right so i was also looking at some of the curriculum i was like you need to teach students about how do you start companies that has to be like a very well defined structure that has to be taught because it's not all about raising funds right talking about uh, staying lean talking about what are the different kinds of costs how do you control costs uh, i used to be an angel investor back in the day right most of the time i used to see companies fail because they focus so much on their product or service they forgot to market their the marketing budget was 1% or point per percent and i'm like what what is that They're like no we'll build a great product people will come they didn't come those companies today are shut right so i i love the fact that you know you have a brilliant website i love the branding you've created and i love the company you've created uh, now thank you for taking out time and you know uh, giving so generously on breaking the ceiling uh, and i wish uh, the very best for you i, I will you know feel so proud when i see coffeeza in singapore when i see it in dubai when i see it in london when i see it in us and i'm very very sure within the next five years it will and that time i will reflect back to this interview and you know i will be like hey, i spoke to him when he was only in india but now look at uh, the global success that he's become right so thank you so much rahul and uh, you know hope to see you again on me thank you so much ashwin pleasure talking to you and a lot of fun talking to you and learning from you also. absolute pleasure So guys that was Rahul Agarwal from Coffeeza uh, he has created you know a niche for himself uh, he is now a rising star so do watch out for it do visit their website even if you're not a coffee lover i think it's a fantastic made website uh, you know the link will be in the description below and do learn something from his experience do learn something from what he shared today and using that i hope that you'll be breaking new ceilings very soon thanks a lot and see you in the next one